Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Do you ever feel like quitting? We all do at times, but the worst thing any of us can do is to quit following God. This feeling can easily come upon us when we are fatigued or find ourselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation. In Psalm 139, David reminds us of two critical points. God is powerful and personal. Why should this be important to all of us? Since God is so powerful, He has the resources and ability to help us. Since God is so personal, He knows you and how to help you. Let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, God is Always With You, part of a series of our powerful and personal God. Well, these days, a lot of people are quitting. Now you say, quitting what? Quitting lots of things, some, many, even quitting God. Now, I believe it is very unwise to quit God, not because I'm a pastor, but basically mostly because of eternity, but also because of the title of our series, Our Powerful and Personal God. God is powerful. We began to talk about that last week. In other words, he has all of the resources needed to help you, and he's personal. So in other words, he knows how to help you. I don't necessarily mean he knows just how to make you comfortable, but he knows how to help us reorder our lives so it is useful and it is fulfilling without the performance pressure of the world. Psalm 139 was written by King David a thousand years before the first Christmas morning. And today we're going to look at verses 7 through 12, which are in some ways very challenging verses. Last week we looked at God's omniscience in the first six verses that, in other words, God knows everything. He's even inside your head that thoughts are as words to God. This week, we come upon another part or attribute of God, God's omnipresence. What does that mean? It means that God is wholly present in all places at any given moment in time. That includes nature. I believe that's why so many unbelieving people love nature because whether they realize it or not, as Romans 1 teaches, that is God revealing himself to people in and through creation. God declares himself to be a spirit. That means he is everywhere and always eternally present. So the title of our message today is, God is always with you. If God in fact is everywhere, then God in fact is always with you. You say now, okay, I get that, but why did you say that these verses are somewhat challenging? Well, because it's hard to tell how David feels about it. And maybe today, it's hard to tell how you feel about it. Or maybe some moments you're glad he's with you. In other moments, you're like, well, could you go just around the corner and get a cup of coffee, Jesus, and, and come back in a, in a little while? Because, you know, God is always with us. David seems to be, as we go towards the end of the psalm, in some sort of trouble. And many Bible scholars think that he's thrilled that God is with him because God will end the trouble that he's in. 
Others take the other side of the argument and they think that he is not thrilled at all that it could be maybe he finds God too restrictive. A lot of people find God too restrictive and he wants to avoid him. So maybe he's hiding. Maybe he's ashamed of the things that he's done in front of God. But there's a third option that most Bible scholars don't talk about, but I was kind of thinking, you know, when I think I study the Bible, I think about, okay, Here's the problem that the Bible writer is going through and, and here's how God answers it. But, but where are we today? And I think maybe there's a, a third option that I didn't really see guys talking about, Bible scholars talking about, is maybe David is like many of us today. We have, some of us have, or we have already, or we're starting to think, maybe it would be easier if I just gave up. Maybe it would be easier if I just gave up following God, did my own thing, and figured, well, I said my prayer, I invited Jesus into my heart, I'm a made man, like the mafia or something like that, and, and why bother to walk with God? To quit following God, or probably just as bad, to kid myself that I'm following the Lord when I'm really not, led David to ask the question, where can I go? We fast forward to a thousand years to Jesus' ministry. John chapter six does this thing. People say, this is a hard teaching. And many people started to leave. That's why as a pastor, when people say, today's message was hard, I'm always like, thank you, because I want to be like Jesus. I want to have a hard teaching ministry, not because I'm hard, because the teaching of the Bible sometimes is hard Jesus doesn't turn around to the apostles and say, oh, I'm so glad you guys stayed. He actually turns around to them and says, hey, you guys want to go too? Peter goes, hey, where else are we going to go? Who but you have the words of eternal life, one of his star moments before the cross. There's comforting stuff here in Psalm 139, as well as some hard realities to face and which when we face up to them, that can lead us to true comfort and confidence in the Lord. But first, you may have to deal with some uncomfortable things. The Bible calls that repenting. Sometimes we hear some things in the Bible and we're like, oh, that made me feel bad. And we think that's a bad thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not talking about a hyperactive conscience, but usually sometimes you say something and, and all the people who aren't doing that way think they're doing it that. And then the people who are doing that are like, oh, that's not me. Uh, because a lot of people think that if we've heard it, we've done it. Nobody's worse than that than preachers, trust me. But we repent in order to what? To be forgiven, yes, but also to truly experience the comfort of God and the confidence that we are walking in God's ways. And so David states this in verse seven. He says, where can I go from your spirit? I, personal, your, God's power. Another version says, where can I go from your spirit? Another version says, where can I escape from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? The older version says, where can I flee from your face? David knows because he says, I, because he has a personal relationship with God. David knows the answer. Where can he go? Nowhere. There is nowhere to go. Now, the Lord may seem silent to you these days. And sometimes that we go through seasons of that. 
Uh, you may have trouble seeing him and you say, trouble seeing him, Jesus, uh, what are you talking about? We can't see Jesus, he's ascended into heaven. Oh no, you can see God in plenty of places if you are looking carefully. But the Lord always knows where you are. Even if you can't see him or you can't you know, sense him, he knows where you are. He knows what, if you're, he seems silent, he knows you're not silent and he knows what you need. David knows that escape is impossible. And deep down, deep, deep down, don't we all know that? Don't we all know that escape from God is impossible? If you're here or you're, you're somewhere else in the building, you're watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for joining us. You know that deep down, don't you? That you, you can't escape God. Which means that when we think of God always being with us, our relationship and the depth of our relationship determines how we feel about it. You know, every night when I go home I, from work, I, I feel a, a, a special joy when I pull into my driveway when I see Pam's car. Because of the depth of our relationship, I'm like, oh, she's home. When, when I don't see our car, I'm, I'm like, where's that woman? No, I don't think that. But I'm just saddened. I'm like, oh, she's not home. She's not home. In other words, God wants us to have a relationship with him that we're glad that he's always with us. But the truth of the matter is sometimes kids run away from their parents. Isn't that true? I remember one time I was a little kid, I was madder than a hornet at my mom. And I was always, I, I had a whole bunch of woods in back of my house. And back then you didn't worry about, you know, getting tick bites and mosquito bites. And your, my whole body was full of mosquito bites and bruises and stuff like that. I mean, we would, we would check for ticks and stuff like that. And I would go away for hours at a time. So I was madder than a hornet at my mom. So I, I packed my bag and I ran away. And I came back a few hours later and my mom said, did you have fun playing in the woods? I said, I didn't play it. It was not playing in the woods. I ran away. My mother, my mother went, oh, wash up. Dinner will be ready soon. <laughs> it's like she didn't even care. And sometimes we run away from God. But David's saying when it comes to God, he doesn't ask you where you were. Or where you are, if he does, it's a rhetorical question. He, you can't hide. You can't get away from his inviting love. You can't get away from him constantly asking you to come to him or to return to him. And the text says, where can I go? In verse 7 here, we might think of it this way. Where could I go and you not see me? Long before security cameras were watching your every move. Long before a cell phone was tracking exactly where you are. God was tracking people. And we are going to see how, just how, the extent of that, Lord willing, next week. David says, no matter where life takes me, nothing, Lord. I know that nothing takes me out of your loving gaze. But even deeper than that, even deeper than God just, just looking and watching you, David says, where can I flee from your presence? It's like David says, 
I know you are with me. I feel you. I experience you. I sense you, not just all around me, inside of me. It's like you're there. And, 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 I, and I, just, I just, no matter how hard I try to suppress it, in, in, in moments, I just know you're there. When I forget it, yes, but then there's other moments when I know that you are there. For a follower of Jesus, not only is God's presence with you, but in the New Testament, there's a terminology set called, we are in Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's a miraculous term that we are in him and he, the scripture tells us, is in us. So we are not only with him, we are in him. He is not only with us, he is in us. Verse eight and nine, David explains it more using a term we came across last week, a merism, as he did last week in verse two. Remember A to Z and everything in between. He says, if I should, if I ascend into heaven, another verse says, if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, now some verses say the depths or quite literally it means Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, by the way, for you writers, that is great writing. We'll get to that in a second. If I take the wings of the morning, another version says, if I rise at dawn and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea or the far side of the sea, the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, if I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, remember that from east to west, you're gonna need that in a second. From east to west and everything in between, once again, he's telling us, God's abilities are incredible. Yet when he continues to use the word I, he tells us just how personally he thinks about God. So in verse eight, what does he do? He, he thinks the vertical, okay, from top to bottom. He goes from the heights of heaven to the depths of the earth, Sheol, the, the, the actual grave, he says, you are there. Now that's how our body can go in the grave and our spirits can go, go to be with God and they can be reunited at some point in time. David says to God, God, you are where I would expect to find you, in heaven. But you're also where I wouldn't expect to find you, in the depths of the earth, in the grave, he begins with the word if. He says, if I could travel from heaven to the grave, if I could make that journey, I would find you everywhere in between. And when David says, uh, speaks of the grave, notice he says, he uses a different word than when he says heaven. He says, look, behold. Remember, we've come across that word so many times, but what does behold mean? Look carefully. He says, behold, you love us so much, you will even follow us to the grave. You love us so much, you will love, even love us in the depths of our rebellion. 
You will even love us in the depths of our despair. Now to picture God in heaven is for us probably very easy, but to picture him reaching down to you and pulling you up out of the grave, that takes faith and trust in the risen Christ. The good news of the gospel is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place and my place for our sins, he went into the tomb. He went into the grave and rose from the dead and will raise from the dead all who turn to him, who repent, put their trust in him. And part of putting your trust in him is to follow in the way of Jesus. Following him is the result of truly trusting him. That's the saving work of Jesus Christ. But there's another side of that coin, which is the bad news for those without faith and trust. The grave is the place of the judgment of God. And there's no need for anyone to go to that place. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, could it be, friend, that today is your day? Today is the day when you become a child of God. Or maybe you need to return to God. You're far away and you know it. God's been talking to you about it and you've kind of been keeping him at arm's distance and you, and you think, oh, well, maybe I'll change the radio station or maybe I need to get busy with this or, oh, I know, my desk needs to be straightened up or the dishes need to be done or something like that. I'll do whatever I can take to get that voice out of my head. You know you need to return. Today, you can choose glory over darkness. You can choose eternal life with Christ over a grave that can even be lived on earth. Next, David moves us to the horizontal. He said, I remember I said it was writing. He says, if I take the wings of the morning, what is that? It's a metaphor for the rays of the sun. Now we live, if you're watching here online and we live on the East coast here. And one of the most beautiful things we have here is we have the beach. Now, people in New Jersey call it the shore. I grew up in Long Island, so I still call it the beach. And people say, what's the beach? Anyway, but my favorite time, bar none, is sunrise and sunset. But really, if I had to choose one, it's sunrise. Whenever I'm down there, I always make sure I know when. I, you can look up very easily on the internet what time is sunrise. And I try to get down there 45 minutes half hour to an hour before that. I really, or I really look for first light. I want to be down there long before first light. I want to walk down to the beach in the dark because I love to watch the sun come over the horizon. Now, you know, it is so far away, but you know how the, the, the sun comes up and what do the rays of the sun do? They shoot right across that water, don't they? That's exactly what he's saying. It's the speed of light. And so David is saying, if I could move like that, you would still be there. If I could get on a supersonic jet or get on a rocket ship and just go clear across the, the world from east to west, you would be there when I take off and you would be there when I land. You would be there when I take off and you would be there when I crash. <laughs> That's how incredible you are. Now, this should bring great comfort to us. 
Maybe you're trying to follow Jesus and you feel like your world is just spinning out of control. Everything is just bad news and we call it bad luck. Or maybe life is just moving so fast. You're sitting here today and you go like, I was just back. I was just in church yesterday. What, what, what is this? Remember, whether it's spinning out of control or it's going so fast, you can't seem to control anything. The Lord is with you. What a tremendous concept this is, whether it is you're trying to think about what is the next step of faith in your life or you're running from the Lord, no matter what, when you arrive, Jesus will be there. That's why I always say that you, a lot of times to come to Jesus Christ, you need to get to the bottom of the barrel. And then guess who's the only guy there waiting for you? Jesus Christ. People say to me, I've, Pastor Jim, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. Well, they're not Christians. I go, okay, let's grease that rope and get you to the bottom of the barrel <laughs> because that's where you're going to meet Jesus. Beautiful concept. It was about this time 34 years ago. In fact, it may have been this very weekend or probably last weekend that someone invited me for the first time in my life to a church like ours. And I heard God speak to me as a man taught the Bible. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, but I knew it wasn't my head. And I knew it wasn't the guys talking. There was just another voice inside of my head. So I kept going back to church, but I was also quite the party animal. So I went on kind of the every other week routine, you know, the hangover, not too bad. I went to church, the hangover, really bad. I didn't go to church. I was trying to live this way. We call it one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. If you're living that way, let me give you a bit of advice. The reason I said that the Lord knows that your rocket might crash is your rocket is going to crash. The Bible calls it being a double-minded man. And it makes you completely unstable, the scripture teaches. Book of James, if you don't believe me. And so this James was double-minded. And some people, whenever I say I'm James, my name is James, people go, no, your name is Jim. No, it's actually James. But don't call me that unless I can call you mommy, okay? <laughs> so I was double-minded, unstable. Two months later, the relentless company builder was falling apart. All my friends said to me, you're just stressed, man. You're just, you're going and going and going at 150 miles an hour. I used to sleep two or three hours a night for a long time. That was it. Pumping myself up with substances if I had to, to keep going, whatever I had to do. And my friends were like, you're just stressed. That's all it is. It's not this religious stuff that you're kind of getting into right now. You just need a vacation. You need to get away. So I hopped on a plane and I went far. I went all the way down to St. Thomas. As we're landing, the guy says, the runway in St. Thomas is kind of short for a plane this big. I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to die. <laughs> so I get, I get there, I get a taxi cab. I tell him where I'm staying. And of course he tells me on the short taxi cab ride where to get drugs, uh, girls, all kinds of stuff. Gives me his phone number, whatever you want. I'll get it for you, young man. I guess I look like that kind of guy. So... I get there, I look on the pool and it's spring break for a lot of college kids. I look kind of young back then and I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be great. Okay, I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna just relax and be me. 
And um, so I go and I, and I sit at the pool. There's a chair there and I just sit at a pool. Some girl comes next to me, says, well, you want to buy me a drink? I said, okay, I'll buy you a drink. So the drink comes or the drink's next to me. She goes, she goes back in the pool and I'm, we're right on the bay. And I'm like, oh, this is good. I can forget all this religious stuff. I, this is going to be great. I look out over the bay and it takes about 20 seconds. And I'm like, oh man, Jesus is here too. <laughs> Like, I'm like, he followed me here. He followed me here. <laughs> silly, silly me. Two days later, he rescued my soul. I love verse 10. He says, even, even there, all the places he talked about, verse 8 and 9, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. As David's writing, his, his faith is growing. You'll see that a lot in the Psalms. You'll see like, you're like, oh, this guy's kind of doubting. I'm kind of into this. He doubts like I do. And then you see the faith growing as the Psalm goes on. And as you and I get into the word of God and get the word of God into us, we'll find out that our faith and trust grows. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.